This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 15. In episode 14, I told the story of 11 runners who had finished 100, 100 milers and expressed the likelihood that there were more because of the difficulty in identifying them without comprehensive data. Three more have been discovered and their accomplishments are significant. They are Richard and Sandra Brown of England and John Giesler of New York. The 100 by 100 list now includes 14 accomplished athletes. This episode will introduce the Browns and highlight their amazing 100-mile careers and some of the events in Europe unfamiliar to American ultra runners. By the end of 2018, Sandra Brown, age 69, of England had accomplished a world-best 196 100-milers, walking and running on tracks, roads, and trails in various event formats. About 160 of her 100-milers were accomplished in less than 24 hours, also a world best. Yes, Sandra Brown has achieved 100 miles more than anyone in the world, 20 more than Ed Ettinghausen, the jester, who he had previously recognized as having the world best of 176 at the end of 2018. How did we miss her? We just didn't know Sandra, and she didn't know us. Perhaps we can blame it on the ocean between us, or more likely, American ultra-running ignorance. But once she had heard the news, she wrote, quote, It's brilliant and completely new to us to hear about Davy's List and the other 100 times 100-mile performances. Huge respect and honor to you all. When Jester Ed received the news that he actually did not have the world best, he graciously wrote, quote, Definitely, Sandra should be heralded as the most prolific 100-mile race walker runner of all time. My hat is off to her. This news has certainly given the Jester a new goal to achieve. Sandra Brown is the world's greatest woman ultra-distance walker ever, but she was also a world-class ultra runner and still is for her age group. In 2018, she was 69 years old and completed 11 100-milers that year, including some sub-24-hour 100-milers. Her 196 100-milers came in several different types of walking and running events on tracks, roads, and trails. She is the holder of current world records, and it is time that the ultra-running community learn about Sandra and her amazing accomplishments. Also missing from the original 100 by 100 list was Sandra's husband, world-class runner and walker Richard Brown, who delights in being overshadowed at times by Sandra's accomplishments. They are inseparable and have been married for nearly 50 years. By the end of 2018, Richard has finished about 132 100-mile events, the fifth most in the world. Piling up 100 milers while living in England is very impressive because there are far fewer events compared to the United States. Sandra wrote, I've always envied athletes in the USA where there are so many ultra-distance and 100-mile events. In the UK, there are now several, mainly off-road, 100s, and a couple of 24-hour events. 
On the continent, events are mainly 24 hours, though our Dutch and Belgian friends share our love for 100s. Before getting into Richard and Sandra's amazing careers, it would help to understand the background of walking competitions, especially in England. Ultra-distance walking, or ultra-walking, is the practice of walking in competitions of distance more than the marathon length. They have existed for centuries and truly have roots in 19th century pedestrianism. Heel and toe walking rules were established for these foot races that became a popular waging venue. Walking competitions were conducted for many distances, short, long, ultra distances, and eventually for six days or more. There are basically four types of walking events that Richard and Sandra would participate in to reach 100 miles. Racewalk Centurion Qualifiers, Long Distance Walker Association Walks, European Point to Points, and Fixed Time Runs or Walks. A Racewalk Centurion is a race walker who completes 100 miles within 24 hours in a Centurion qualifying race judged using racewalking rules. In 1911, the Centurion title was set up in Great Britain. Each successful Centurion earns a sequence number for that Centurion club and became part of the Brotherhood of Centurions. The next type of 100-mile walk is the LDWA walk. In 1972, a British association was founded, the Long Distance Walkers Association, or LDWA. Starting in 1973, annual LDWA 100 events were hosted each year at different locations. These challenging off-road walks are hikes that do not have to be walked according to race walking rules. Finish times are published, but winners are not emphasized or awarded. The next type of event of 100 milers are European point-to-point walks. These are controlled group walks at a certain pace together. In 2018, a 100-mile event was held walking across the Netherlands. The leaders of the walk set a pace of about 4.4 miles per hour. They had regular cafe stops scheduled every 20 kilometers. The group would then regroup and continue on. The aim is to finish in about 29 hours. Walking is freestyle. The last type of event most ultra runners are familiar with is the fixed time race. Ultra walkers, just like many ultra runners, participate in 24-hour and multi-day events such as 48 hours or 6 days. Many of these events include runners and walkers. Okay, let me introduce you to Richard and Sandra Brown. Sandra was born in 1949. In her childhood, she participated in many family walks off the beaten track. During her school years, she was not inclined to participate in field sports, so she took up Greek and became skilled in languages and history. At London University, she met Richard Brown. Richard was born in 1946 and raised as an only child in Beckenham, a district of London. Richard was a talented singer, which allowed him to attend the City of London School. Eventually, he had interests in sports and became a successful oarsman at Oxford University. After moving on from rowing, he didn't really know what to do athletically next because he was useless at ball games. Because he was also, quote, useless in languages, and at Oxford they required language tests, he transferred to University College London, or UCL. Richard and Sandra both studied history at UCL. 
They were married in 1970 right after finals and bought a flat in the countryside town of Luton, located northwest of London. In their 20s, they both loved spending time outdoors and started to do walks in the country. Five-mile walks became 10 and then became 20 miles. Sandra joined the Long Distance Walking Association and signed up Richard, too. They joined with others to do long walks. By 1982, when Sandra was 33, they both started entering long-distance races. Their first marathon was in 1982 at Winchester Marathon on a frigid morning. Richard thought that Sandra had entered them in a half-marathon, but no. At the start, as they were preparing to run, Sandra said, Oh, didn't I tell you we were in for the full thing? They finished in under four hours, but Richard vowed that he would never do it again. They quickly entered their first 100-miler later that year, the LDWA Pilgrims 100 from Guildford to Canterbury, along the route taken by many pilgrims to the shrine of the murdered Thomas A. Beckett. The event started around noon. They carried haversacks, day packs, and walked and ran in boots. By the next morning, they reached a breakfast stop at about mile 65, Richard took his time there and said he slumped down and looked at cornflakes for about two hours, which was a maximum time you were allowed to stay at a checkpoint. Sandra, meanwhile, was kind of bounding around and said, well, I'll see you at the finish, and got up and charged off to the finish. Richard said, I staggered out with about one minute to go. He slowly made his way to Canterbury. By the time Richard got to the finish, Sandra had showered, changed, and had been sightseeing around the famed cathedral. They headed home on the train. Getting off the train at Victoria Station was a problem because it was so painful stepping far down getting off to the platform. Richard said they walked so slowly that they were overtaken by old grannies pulling their suitcases. That was their first 100-mile finish. Little did they know what they had unleashed. Just three months later, Sandra decided to participate in her first Centurion event. She knew little about race walking and showed up with her haversack to carry like the previous LDWA 100-mile walk, but was quickly taught that she didn't carry a pack and was shown how she needed to walk. She caught on fast and in her first try became a Centurion, finishing in an impressive 22 hours, 18 minutes. Richard and Sandra joined the local walking club which had recently started admitting women. Despite the fact that she was already a centurion, the next year the walking club refused Sandra entry into the event because, quote, women could not and should not do those things. Richard, however, was allowed to enter and also became a centurion in 1983 with a time of 21 hours, 3 minutes. In 1984, at the age of 35, Sandra finished six 100-milers. At a Centurion race walk event, she finished with her lifetime race walk 100-mile best time of 18 hours 36 minutes, which also was the women's best for Great Britain, one of her greatest career walking achievements. She had established herself as being a world elite ultra walker. They both were hooked on ultra-distance events, especially over 100 miles. Richard explained. We were in our mid-30s at the time we took up ultra-distance. And that's the great thing about ultra, that you can go on and do it for any age, really. So, yeah, so we're unusual in that we came to it from a cross-country background 
a strolling background and our first event was 100 miles. But then we only do 100 miles and upwards. <laughs> Is that it for you now, 100 miles and Well, I mean, I say only do it. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we've, we've yeah. done. That's what we've represented Britain at. 100 miles, 24 hours and upwards. So 48 hours, six days. And then for fun, we've gone for the records of Irish end-to-end, Lands End, Johnny Groats, 1,000 miles on a track and things like that. Just a month later, they both ran in their first 24-hour event at Chorley, England. The loop course was in a park on uneven asphalt. True routes pushed up in various places that could be tripped on, especially during the night. It also had a hill and sharp corners, not ideal for a 24-hour course. Richard had to stop at mile 97 with a badly swollen ankle, but Sandra continued on with a smile on her face. During the last hour, Richard came back out using a broomstick for a crutch to reach 100 miles, and Sandra reached a staggering 131.1 miles setting a new world record that had been set and raised by the best ultra runners in America at that time. Richard continued to improve his 100-mile walking times, eventually reaching an amazing 17 hours flat in 1988. With 13 100-milers to her name, Sandra took time off in 1986 to give birth to their daughter Victoria and didn't finish a 100-mile race for a two-year period. Richard continued on, and by the end of 1987, he had 29 100-milers. 1988 was a huge year for Richard. He logged a total of 5,936 miles for that year, with about 3,500 miles in competition. He branched out to do long point-to-point multi-day journey walks. The first one he attacked was walking Ireland end-to-end. Richard lowered the world record to 4 days, 12 hours, with a distance of 375 miles, a record for many years. Just about a month later, in May, Richard ran in a 1,000-mile race held on a one-mile road loop in Flushing Meadows Park in Queens, New York. Also entered was the world's greatest, Yanis Kouros. Seven of the starters passed 100 miles in the first day, with Kuros way out in front with 144 miles. Richard ran very strong in second place. After six days, he had covered 518 miles, setting a six-day British record. Richard wrote, quote, I thought I was doing quite well at six days until I realized Yanis was nearly 100k ahead of me and setting multiple world records along the way. Unfortunately, Richard's leg gave out and he stopped at 720 miles in 9.5 days. Yanis went on and shattered the world 1,000-mile record with 10 days, 10 hours, and 30 minutes. Land's End to John O'Groats is the traversal of the entire length of Great Britain between its two extreme points, south to north. The first recorded end-to-end walk was accomplished in 1871. There is no continuous path, so routes vary. The shorter routes involve walking on roads with traffic. By 1985, the fastest known time was 12 days, 1 hour, 59 minutes. In September 1985, Richard set out with his crew of seven in two campers to lower the lead jog record. Richard wrote, After a great start, with 90 miles on the first day, 85 on the second, and 80 on the third, 
we made somewhat erratic progress with injuries to my calf muscles, as well as the inevitable blisters slowing me sometimes to a painful crawl. In driving rain and a northwesterly wind, we finally, however, made it and lowered the record to 10 days, 18 hours, 23 minutes. However, one of the greatest ultra runners ever in the world, Don Ritchie of Scotland, also had his eye on this lead jog record for some time. Ritchie made his attempt in the spring of 1989 and successfully broke Richard's record by about 3 hours with 10 days, 15 hours, and 20 minutes. Richard sent a card to Richie congratulating him and added that he hoped Richie would enjoy the record that he was now just borrowing from Richard. Richie thought he was kidding. Richard was dead serious that he would get the record back someday. Both Richard and Sandra can run and walk, but in long ultra-distance races they prefer to walk, especially for distances greater than 100 miles. Richard achieved his distances of more than 240 miles in 48 hours by walking. He explained, So the longer the distance, the more a walker comes into their own. Right. And indeed, there was a, a, a kind of a race between a, an ultra-distance walker and an ultra-distance runner. They kind of challenged each other to see who would you know, win this thousand-mile race. And there really wasn't, you know, wasn't much in it, really, because you can't run for a thousand miles. You have to walk. And if you can't walk very well then the walker would just keep going yeah. past you. And at the end of an event, if you've still got something left as a walker, you can be walking faster than some of the runners. And psychologically, that destroys a runner. For them to think that they're running and a walker goes past yeah. them is the end for them. In 1990, both Richard and Sandra entered the famed annual walking race paris Clamar, which had begun in 1926. Richard said that this was the Olympics of their ultra-walking sport. The men would race-walk from Paris to Colmar, a distance of about 324 miles, and the women would start about mile 113 for a race of about 211 miles. The women's race started once the first-place man arrived. That year, 29 men and 6 women started. To qualify for the race, entrants needed to finish a quick succession of four French 24-hour qualifying races held within a two-month period. For Richard, the start was in Paris. He raced-walked east through the suburbs and through various towns towards Colmar. There were 29 checkpoints along the way. Attendants, or pacers, were allowed to walk with them and also support on bicycles to hand off food and drinks. Richard is well placed near the front of the pack, though now it's not quite so much of a pack. The first day has smeared the contestants over a distance of five kilometers. Even at this early stage of the race, the poor road surfaces in the towns are an unwelcome obstacle for the walkers, and the pace slows down accordingly. A few kilometers ahead, preparations are being made for their arrival at the first checkpoint. The whole town seems to be here tonight to greet the incoming competitors, although it's well past midnight. It will be the same level of interest at every checkpoint along the entire route. It's always a bit of a shock arriving in a new place, and Richard storms into the checkpoint. The vital paperwork is thrown down in passing. There is no time to waste. A team member will collect it all later. A support crew in RVs traveled along with the walkers. Sandra's race began when the men's leader arrived at mile 113 after a little more than 24 hours. Sandra started very well, fast and strong. She enjoyed pop music like Beatles on loudspeakers of her crew van. 
To contrast that, people would know when Richard was coming because he would blare classical music. Here's Richard on the second day. We are fine. We are doing well. Thank you. Did you have a good evening? Yes, very nice. It's a lovely night. Actually, the weather's very good now. It's ideal for walking. There's virtually no wind. Uh, good temperature. Very nice indeed. Good views. Good company. Well, some of it. And how, how are you feeling your progress through the field is? Are you happy with your pace? Yes, I'm keeping steady and they seem to slowly be dying. I've gone going through the field nicely. As long as they keep dying, before I die, we'll be all right. Richard was in second place among the men, but much further behind the leader. Richard struggled during his second day with dehydration and fatigue falling into eighth place. On the second night, walkers stopped for a mandatory three-hour stop at about mile 166. He managed to get two hours of sleep and left the checkpoint around dawn. By mid-morning, he was in sixth place and was about 18 miles behind Sandra. His crew commented, At the halfway stage, he was very fatigued, and so I was quite worried. And when he set off this morning, it took him a long time to get into stride. He's favoring his right leg, but as you can see now, he's really going well. I mean, okay, it's not perfect, but would you expect someone to be perfect after walking, I don't know, 150 miles? After about 36 hours and about 125 miles, Sander was in second among the women as night arrived, but suffered from bad blisters. She was going really well after, I forgot the name of the place now, and then... With all the people around, it really lifted her up, so she speeded up quite a bit. And after that, her arms started to drive a bit, so we knew that she was beginning to find life a little tough. Uh, now, fortunately, she's slowed down a bit and has relaxed a bit. You can see she's tending to wander up and down the sides of the road a bit. She actually needs the acropolis. Uh, I think we need a couple of redressings to go on and possibly some draining. The increasing signs of wear and tear eventually do force a roadside stop. Nice. Hi. Hi. I've already set up. Brilliant, Graham. There was again a mandatory stop that Sandra reached during the next night and left from in the morning. Richard had a difficult time during his third night. In the morning, he was still 18 miles away from the stop and was moving slowly. Richard has had another difficult night. He has been walking now for three days and he's beginning to find it difficult to concentrate on his walking, now needing a pace setter to fix his rhythm. Paddy, his support team's most experienced man, walks with him not just to keep up the pace, but because Richard is displaying signs of extreme fatigue and Paddy is watching out for a possible collapse. All that keeps Richard going is his determination and the knowledge that if he can carry on for another 20 kilometres, there is a compulsory rest stop and an opportunity to collect his wits and do some repairs. Late in the race, there was a long climb up and over a mountain pass. Both Sandra and Richard walked well up and over it. Sandra is making her ascent of the Col de Bonhomme. It has been on the minds of all the surviving competitors for some time. At 937 meters, that's 3,020 feet, it's a fairly strenuous hike at the best of times. If you've been on your feet for three days, it's a daunting prospect. And will in fact be too much for seven of the remaining competitors. Psychologically, there are several ways to approach an obstacle like the coal. Sandra's method is to pretend that it isn't there at all, that it's just a series of small hills with all the downhill bits removed. She makes it look easy, 
and two local ladies have joined her to complete the illusion that they're all out for a pleasant afternoon stroll. By night, Sandra picked up her pace as she entered the final miles of the race. With an amazing display of speed and style, Sandra passes the line. It's an amazing achievement. Second place at her first attempt at the race. Sandra's thoughts turned to the whereabouts of her husband, who never overtook her as expected, and unknown to her has had continuing foot problems throughout the evening. A little later than expected, Richard looms out of the docks, swinging his arms with renewed vigour, and picks up the pace of the last few of his 522 kilometres. It's been a tougher-than-expected day. The last four days itself have lived up to his tougher-than-expected reputation. But Richard was prepared for that and thinks it all worthwhile as he proudly passes the finishing line in the name of England. Sandra finished in second place with 51 hours, 48 minutes for about 211 miles. Richard finished in ninth place with 73 hours, 29 minutes, for about 324 miles. They were the first husband and wife duel ever to finish this classic race. By the end of 1990, Richard had piled up about 50 100-plus milers, and Sandra had about 35. Like the other 100 by 100 runners, Richard and Sandra trained year-round, never clamoring to begin training for a specific race. At her peak, Sandra trained about 125 miles per week. They didn't generally train together because of the importance of training at their own paces. Who is the winner in an event? Is it the person who comes in first? Or is it the person that achieves their particular goals? And the person who comes in first may not actually think they've done a great race. They know they could have done better. And the person who comes in, whatever it is, may think that was fantastic. I overcame all of these problems. I was ill the week before. I or whatever it is. Oh, I'm a fantastic winner. So it depends on what mental targets you've set yourself. And whether you come in first, as other people would see it, is an irrelevance to actually what drives you. Is that, what, is that how you carry on? Yeah. And you do win things as well, though. Yes, so and we, nice. are, well, we are driven and we are driven to win things, yeah. I have to say. Mm. And although Sandra and I both say, oh, no, no, we're not interested in winning this, you know, once the gun goes, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we forget all that crap. <laughs> in 1995, both Richard and Sandra put together intense plans to break the records for Lee Jog, Land's End to John O'Croats. Richard was convinced that he could shave off the wasted time incurred in 1985 to regain the record that Don Ritchie had snatched from him in 1989. Sandra wanted to break the official women's record of 13 days, 18 hours. On the first day, Sandra went ahead, walking faster. Richard would at times catch up, explaining, quote, She was walking faster up the hills, but not able to run with such a long stride down them. Because of the heat of the first day, Sandra's feet swelled and blistered, slowing her down, and Richard went ahead for good on the second morning. With problem feet, Sandra was no longer able to run, only walk, and by the third day was about five hours behind Richard. At about halfway, Sandra was really suffering from painful feet and stomach issues. Her crew said, quote, we have gone over 400 miles. That's tremendous. But look at your feet. We've still got another 400 miles to go. Be sensible. Sandra's response was just to put on her sandals, slowly get to her feet, and then she said calmly, I'm going for a little walk. 
Would anyone care to join me? On about the seventh day, Sandra collapsed after minimal sleep during that week. She was taken to a bathhouse and then slept for eight hours before continuing. On about the eighth day, the record holder, Don Ritchie, kindly came to help support Richard for the day. Ritchie wrote, quote, Richard was in excellent spirits and walking strongly and aiming to cover 80 miles a day by combining running and fast walking. I cycled with him. The two vans worked in four-hour shifts and Richard had an attendant walker or cyclist with him at all times. The on-duty van continually leapfrogged Richard so that they were never more than a half-mile away. Things continued to go well for Richard. Soon the end came near. Richard wrote, quote, We crested the last little hill, and there were before us lay the cluster of buildings by the edge of a calm blue sea dotted with islands. What a marvelous sight! My whole body and soul sighed. I touched the magic sign, and a great cheer went up. Richard had crushed the record by 13 hours and finished in 10 days, 2 hours, and 25 minutes, a record that officially still stood in 2018. Three days later, Sandra also touched the same post and broke the ladies' record by nearly eight hours, finishing in 13 days, 10 hours, and one minute. She had walked all the way after the first day. Both traveled about 830 miles. By the end of the 1990s, Richard had completed a world-best 87 100-milers and Sandra had 82. By 2000, Richard and Sandra were in their 50s. That year, Sandra accomplished 11 100-plus walks or runs. The next year, she became the first person in the world to reach 100 100-milers. 100 Richard followed her by achieving 100 100s in 2004. The next closest to 100 100s was Ray Krolowitz and Hans-Dieter Weissauer, both with about 65 100s. Richard reduced the number of 100-mile races he finished each year, but Sandra continued on with about five per year until she retired from work and then found time to increase the number of events she walked or ran. As they both reached into their 60s, age group British and world records were in their reach. In 2007, Richard, age 60, and Sandra, age 58, ran at Sergius 48 hours in France. Sandra's report included, quote, we both did about 121 miles in the first 24 hours. Richard was starting to suffer a knee problem even then, but walked on and had to stop after a few more hours. I walked on steadily. I finished with 203 miles and was very pleased to go over 200 miles. It was a Great Britain women's 55 to 59 best. As always, runners are fascinated to see what walkers can do. In 2010, Richard set a new male 60-64 to 64 world six-day record of 437 miles set in Athens, Greece. Sandra wrote, His 705 kilometers was a great achievement given heat, strong winds, and usual challenges of surviving more or less intact for six days. Richard explained the advantages of walking. So the longer the distance, the more a walker comes into their own. Right. And indeed, there was a, a kind of a race between an ultra-distance walker and an ultra-distance runner. They kind of challenged each other to see who would you know, win this thousand-mile race. And there really wasn't, you know, wasn't much in it, really, because you can't run for a thousand miles. You have to walk 
and if you can't walk very well, then the walker will just keep going yeah. past you. And at the end of an event, if you've still got something left as a walker, you can be walking faster than some of the runners. And psychologically, that destroys a runner. For them to think that they're running and a walker goes past yeah. them is the end for them. In 2012, Richard set a male 65-69 to 69 world six-day record of 406 miles in Hungary. That year, Sandra achieved her 150th 100-miler. For about 10 years, Richard served as the team manager of the British ultra-marathon team. The men's team became world champions in 2015 at Turin, Italy, and the women won the bronze. Richard's approach to racing and setting records was to walk or run steady paces. Do you have bursts where you go faster? Or is no, it, no. Is the point to be as, as no. regular as possible? As, as regular consistent? as possible, yeah. Right. If you're racing against others, then there might be bursts where you try and break away from them. And you see this in 10,000 meters or marathons or whatever it is. If you're going for a record, then I think you've got to go as steady and as even paced as possible. This is back to this, you know, kind of, again, back to kind of street gym, you know, if life is a marathon, you don't go charging off in the first five years. You think this is a long race. I've got to keep it steady. And I've got to try and keep the energy intake fairly balanced. And I mustn't blow up. In running ultras, Richard gave this advice. What you can do is to suggest that mixing running and walking would be good. And I think um, a lot of our team have now realized that if they can just walk just five minutes, say, in every hour while they're taking on food and drink, then you're stretching, you're using different muscles for a start. Running generally shortens your muscles. Walking will tend to stretch them. And they're different types of muscles. So you use thighs for running and hamstrings for walking. I mean, you know, mm. just to kind of simplify it. Um, so they are different. And if you can give your muscles a five-minute break through walking, and if you can walk reasonably fast, you won't lose much distance mm. at all. And if you can think of even pacing, then the more that you can keep that going, and even, you know, ten minutes walking in an hour, and if you can still be doing that, at the end, then you'll come through the field. Summing up both their walking, running careers thus far is an impossible task. Here are just some of their accomplishments as of the end of 2018. For Sandra, she was the first person in history to reach 100 100 milers. She has finished the most 100 plus milers ever with 196. She has reached 100 miles in less than 24 hours, about 160 times a world best. She has reached 100 miles in less than 20 hours, about 45 times. She still holds the world walking records on track for 100K, 100 miles, 12 hours, and 24 hours. For Richard, he holds the best ever British 100-mile walk time of 16 hours, 50 minutes, and 28 seconds. He was the sixth man in the sport's history to go over 400 kilometers at a 48-hour race. He held the British record for six days running 517 miles. He was the overall winner of a record 10 British Centurion races. He has at least 110 sub-24-hour 100s. He has about 50 sub-20-hour 100s, perhaps world best.
When Richard was asked if he and Sandra would soon retire from walking and running, his reply was, quote, We will keep doing this until we drop. We would go mad if we stopped. Sandra will likely reach 200-100 milers in 2019. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. Mm-hmm.